This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. But let's talk some Canadian history, but specifically some Vancouver history here as well on this Canada Day. The city of Vancouver is 133 years old this year. So we wanted to talk about that as well. Joining me is Will Woods, Chief Storyteller with the Forbidden Vancouver Walking Tours. Hi, Will. Hi, Simi. How are you doing? I am good, thank you. Thank you for having me. How did you get into doing this as a line of work? You must be a great storyteller. Oh, well, I was really inspired by a couple of uh, tours I'd been on in Edinburgh, Scotland, the Edinburgh Ghost Tours and the Underground Seattle Tour, which I imagine many of your listeners have been on. And I thought, well, Vancouver needs something like that. And so I enrolled in acting school for a year. I buried myself in the archives. I'd already been a big history nerd for many years. And then uh, I started with a walking tour on prohibition history in Vancouver, which is so little known, I think. We even had prohibition in Canada. Everyone thinks about the US, but yeah. we had it here as well. And uh, it's been rolling since then. We still do a Prohibition tour, the Forbidden Vancouver tour. And we have uh, five walking tours now, 12 guides, and we're going every day of the week. Yeah. So this worked out well for you as well. Oh, you're it's saying. been great. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> well, you know what? With tourism, as crazy as it is, because like, look at all the people just around here with suitcases and things and rolling around. I could see why they would look to do something like this. Where do you find all your information? Where do you dig? Uh, well, and the funny thing about, you mentioned tourism, about half our guests are actually locals. And we design really? our tours really for locals. Yeah, trying to pick topics that people really be interested in. Cool. Um, but the archives have been fantastic. Special collections at the Vancouver Public Library. And um, I'm uh, heavily involved in the local history scene with uh, writers like Eve Lazarus, Aaron Chapman, John Belshaw. Who, I went uh, to high school with Aaron Chapman. Oh, is that I right? I went to journalism school with Eve Lazarus. Oh, too so yes. funny. It's a small, <laughs> small world. world. Small yeah, world, it yeah. really is. Uh, now, I love these stories that you came up with because I don't know a lot about these. And I'm a history buff as well. But you're right. We tend to neglect our very local history. So tell me about this mobster. Okay, so Joe Salona. He arrived here in Vancouver in 1921, and uh, his original name was Giuseppe Fiorenza. Where do you think he was from, Simi? I'm guessing Italy. He was from Italy. He came here via New York City, and uh, I think it's fair to say the accusations that he was in the Mafia were accurate. And uh, within weeks, he'd had a couple of tussles with the law already. He was arrested for assaulting a police officer. Here in Vancouver? Here in Vancouver. And he he was a bootlegger, which means he made illegal booze. He ran illegal drinking dens, and he operated a number of what were called bawdy houses, houses of ill repute, houses of ill fame, disorderly houses. Like brothels. Brothels. Got it. And uh, he had some tussles with the law early on. By the mid-twenties, he was untouchable. He was known as the mayor of East Hastings. Really? And he had a huge house in Shaughnessy. He was uh, a public inquiry. He he was uh, quite open and transparent about his bribing of senior police officers, including taking the chief of police himself on a cruise in Salona's private yacht up Indian Arm. So he was paying off people. <laughs> he was paying off the police. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. So this was not this kind of pure upstanding town that everybody thinks that we not were. Not in the 1920s it wasn't. And uh, it wasn't until 1934 <laughs> when Salona had one of those weeks, you know when you have a terrible week and nothing goes right. Yes. So Salona had a good run here for about 10 years. 
And uh, things started to go badly wrong for him, December 1934. What happened? When his wife Josie, isn't that sweet, Joe and Josie Salona? Josie came home and found Salona in bed with another woman. That tends to go downhill uh, after that, you know? It didn't go well for Joe, mainly because Josie was holding a revolver in her hand and she, uh, she shot Joe. Newspapers would say in the hip, but a less decorous oh. account would say the backside was where he got hit. Apparently, she fired the gun so it wouldn't go off no more, she told the police later. So, he, so, so she was, was aiming lucky. to kill him. Salona was lucky, really. Uh, he, he was ever the gentleman. He told the doctor that he was cleaning his gun and it went off accidentally and somehow shot him uh, in the rear. I don't know how you how he managed to do that. that <laughs> Today, <laughs> that I don't think like forensic files would not let you get away with that at no, all. No. But so he didn't want the publicity, essentially. So he, and he, he wanted to sweep all this under the, under the carpet. Um, she was arrested and uh, she would go to on trial for attempted murder of her husband. She Even was, though he was testifying that it didn't, that's not what so happened. So they, they ignored his report on this. She went to trial. She told the police officer she tried to shoot him oh. until, he, until he died, right? And uh, she was found guilty of attempted murder, and she was given two days in jail as her sentence. Two days. Two days, which really wow. shows whole different world. The kind of then, value right? the well, justice system placed on Joe Salona's life at that time. You said there were two things that went back. <laughs> oh so that right, was one. right. So that was What's one. So five days later, well, there's a new mayor in town. We'd had a mayor, L.D. Taylor, who liked to turn a blind eye to organised crime. Who we're going to hear a little bit more about shortly. Okay. A new mayor was in town. Jerry McGear. And Jerry McGear's 1934 campaign slogan was, I'm going to Barcelona. That was the ticket that he ran on. Clever. Barcelona. I'm going to Barcelona. And he did. Within within days of becoming mayor, Sloan was under arrest for operating boardy houses. Right. And he got 11 years in jail. He served nine years in jail. When he came out true to form in the 1940s, he was straight back into bootlegging the building He's right there on East Hastings above a grocery store that he had his bootlegging operation. still there today. Same really? building, yeah. And uh, it wasn't until 1956 when Salona was by now an old man that he, he retired from his life of crime. And he said, I'll do my best to quote Joe for you. That's okay. <laughs> There's no dough left in bootlegging. All the body houses are closed down. And now they stop a man from taking a few on his bets. <laughs> Oh, gambling, <laughs> prostitution, oh man, alcohol, you name it. Wow, who yeah. knew Vancouver had that history? That's a great story. But also let's hear about E. Pauline Johnson. Yeah, a very yes. different story. A very different okay. story, E. Pauline Johnson. Her name's probably familiar to many of your listeners, I imagine. I have heard this name, yes. And uh, we talk about her story on our Dark Secrets of Stanley Park tour. Of course, we can see beautiful Stanley Park from right where we are here. And Do you go uh, at nighttime? We go in the afternoon. So in the wintertime, it's like getting dark. That'd be but really in the summertime, yeah, in the summertime, really it's, uh, so we've done it before with flashlights, you know, because the trails get so dark in the wintertime, you can't see anything. Um, and we talk about, uh, one of the stops we talk about is uh, as Dead Man's Island, we talk about Lost Lagoon, and these places are really uh, wrapped up in, in Pauline Johnson and, and her story. Okay. And she was, she was born 1861 on a reserve in Ontario. Okay. Her father was a Mohawk chief and her mother was an Englishwoman. So she had a quite a unique upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so her father schooled her in this uh, oral history of the Mohawk people. And her mother schooled her. Her mother was a, a, an aficionado of English literature. Schooled her in the poetry of Byron and Yeats. It's quite a unique upbringing. Right. And so um, in her later life, she became a writer, an actor, a performer. She traveled the world to great acclaim, bringing indigenous culture to a, a global audience. She moved here in 1909 to Vancouver, and she befriended a man called Joe Capilano, who was the chief of Joe the Squamish yeah. Nation, right? Himself, by the way, a remarkable man. 
So he became Squamish chief in the, the late 1800s and he sets about traveling the lower mainland, Vancouver Island, trying to gather support from other local First Nations to try and change the situation around what was called native rights at the time. And this culminated with him going all the way to London, England, 1906, with a delegation of First Nations leaders from this area, where he met the king, King Edward VII, at Buckingham Palace. Wow. To say, hey, we need to make some changes here in Canada. We need to have proper protection for indigenous land. That's impressive. Yeah, really incredible feat. And uh, How come we never hear about that? I know, I know. Really I've ahead never... of his time. It's remarkable. That is remarkable as well. And so she wrote a poem. Right? Right. Okay, so the connection between these two. Incidentally, when he got back to uh, Vancouver, he was so upset the Roman Catholic Church had not supported his mission to meet the king that he expelled them from Squamish Reserve Land. Oh. So he took on some real heavyweight opponents in his life, Joe Capilano. And when Pauline Johnson moved here in 1909, they became great friends. They hiked the North Shore Mountains, the dark forest of Stanley Park, and he told... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. With her, the oral history of the Squamish people, which she wrote down in verse in a book called Legends of Vancouver, which is really uh, a vital piece of uh, literature from Vancouver's past. Oh, and the party is definitely getting started down here at Canada Place, where we are live on location. Yes, you can stop by and visit us, check out some great food, some great music, as you can hear in the background, and some great stories, because that's what we're talking about right now with the help of Will Woods, who is our chief storyteller from the Forbidden Vancouver Walking Tours. And you've got more great people to tell us about, right? I want to tell you about L.D. Taylor. Who's L.D. Taylor, L.D. Taylor is a fellow that we feature on our Forbidden Vancouver tour. He wasn't born here in Vancouver. came from Chicago. Okay. And he had the uh, belly mundane occupation of banker in Chicago. His bank collapsed. He was charged with embezzlement. He was arrested, put out on bail. So what do you think he did then? I think he skipped bail. He skipped bail. Where did he come? <laughs> Took that money and ran to Canada. Where did he go? That's right. Vancouver was the last stop on the train, right? So he jumped off. Got himself a job as a newspaper reporter here in really? at the World News. So he was in the media business and he ended up editor and then finally owner of the newspaper. It was one of the biggest newspapers in Vancouver at the time. And then about 1909-1910, we had a big construction boom then that was happening in the yeah. city. And he thought, I need a grand monument to myself and my newspaper. So he got some funds together and he built what would be called the World Building. Today called the Sun Tower. Oh, still I know stands, this building still down on Beatty Street, right? Oh, yeah, exactly right, yeah. Under construction right now with the, the green domed roof at the top. It's a fabulous piece of architecture. A lot of people will go, what is that? I go, it's a building right by where Jam Cafe is and where all those right. great restaurants are down there. Exactly yeah. right, exactly right. And so he put his office right in the top under that green dome. Imagine did. the views he had. This was the tallest commercial building in the British Empire when it was built. He must have loved that. Oh, was this yeah. with the embezzled money or was this the money that he made off of the This was money of the newspaper. And he borrowed. He was heavily in debt. And he ran into big trouble when the economy turned around, went bankrupt, 1914, couldn't get anyone to rent space from him, lost control of the building and the newspaper. Really? What do you think he did then? I don't know. Ran for mayor. He did not. <laughs> he, did. he did, he ran for mayor. Did he win? He won by a landslide. He was. He served as mayor until the 1930s. He's our longest running mayor we've ever had. This Vancouver. guy? Yeah. Longer than Robertson, yeah. This crooked guy? This guy, this guy yeah. 
Wow. I know, I know. Uh, also, I understand he was also a bit of a bigamist. He, he was. So he left his, he fled, fled Chicago, left his wife and kids in the States, remarried here, didn't divorce. Didn't bother like divorcing Eventually or... he did. There was a big overlap of like a couple of years, yeah. And like, nothing ever happened. So he, he was a bankrupt. He put this embezzlement charge. He had known links to organized crime. Remember right. that, uh, I talked about Joe Salona yeah. earlier. They were close friends. He at this public inquiry. So this was the mayor this was the that mayor. Jerry McGear right. beat exactly eventually. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. I did not so know that. So this public inquiry about corruption in City Hall, Taylor takes the stand and he says, we're a port city. This ain't no Sunday school town. <laughs> wow. So he figured that that he, just allows them to all, go and do this. It was all under his watch, all this, all this corruption. Such debauchery. And, uh, and the other funny little fact about him in when he was 71 in 1928 so he was no spring chicken he was no at a, pro chicken, a yeah. promo event in uh, Vancouver airport just kind of newly opened international airport down there he jumped out of a plane there's a sprightly 71 year old walked into a propeller was almost decapitated apparently if he'd been half an inch taller he would have lost his head oh my goodness and it was within a month he was back at city hall chairing meetings the guy was indestructible Unreal story. <laughs> wow. Somebody needs to make a movie about that know, guy, know, right? Know, they do, they That's do. an HBO miniseries <laughs> if I ever heard it, the Canadian version. Uh, who's Francis Rattenbury? Francis Rattenbury. He was from England originally, right? Where I originally hail from. And uh, he was an architect. Never formally trained, but he came out here. I'm sorry. Young. He just decided he was an he, architect. You know, he was like, I could decide trained that himself. Today. Did some reading. There was no, I don't know what, how he, there was no, uh, no YouTube in those He's days. People, I'm not sure yeah. what, how he did it, but he, he, uh, he claimed an architecture training and he got out here and the, the BC government was running a competition to design the parliament buildings in Victoria. Oh, of fabulous course. buildings. Yes. Competition to say, okay, local architects, put your plans in, we'll pick the best one. So no one had heard of this guy, Rattenbury. He was only 25 years old. So he did his whole plan. He submitted it under the pseudonym, a BC architect. And he won. He didn't. And that, that building was designed by him. And you can imagine his career was set from that point on. And he didn't even have any formal training. No formal training. Flying by the seat of his pants. He must have been a smart guy to build a building like that. It's, it's a phenomenal achievement. And so what happened to him then after that? Well, and I, I mean, he's not, he wasn't a Vancouver. He lived in Victoria. But he did design a fabulous building that we have in the city today. So I think we can claim him partly as one of okay. us. And that's the Vancouver Art Gallery, which was the courthouse. That was one oh, of his creations. Oh, I love that building. Yeah, 1906. That I Leo, look at that building Neo every day. Yeah. yeah. So everything was going well. He was this superstar architect. He was married to a woman called Florence. He lived in, lived in Victoria. And then scandal struck. As it always seems to do. He got divorced. Oh, no. Oh, no. A big deal in those days. Back in the well, at least he got a divorce, unlike the last guy. Yeah, yeah true enough. Right? Yeah. That's true. That's true. And he so then the what rules, happened to him? Yeah, he took a much younger wife, 30 years his junior, called Alma. And uh, he couldn't get work after that. He was shunned by high society here well, in BC. Yeah. So he moved back to England and lived out the rest of his years. He was in his 60s now on his country estate when uh, he was beaten to death by his wife's 18-year-old lover, George Stoner, with a croquet mallet. Ouch. An Agatha Christie way to go there. And that wasn't uh, <laughs> Agatha Christie way to go. Will, thank you so much for that. Oh, I, my pleasure. I appreciate that. I learned so much. I love those kinds of stories. That is awesome. Where can people find out more about your tours? ForbiddenVancouver.ca has all the information about our walking tours, and we're running every day, all season. Sounds good. Thank you for that, thank Will. Thank you, Simi. Appreciate your time on that today, celebrating Canada Day with us and giving us some great Canadian history there.